0: Welcome to Mental Millennials, with your host, Shelby Friesen.
1: How you got into, like, being a naturopath over, I mean, obviously anything else you could do in life, um, <laughs> you had, like... <laughs> the yeah, whole... A lot of options there.
0: That's <laughs> yeah. a good point, actually. It's a good question you bring up, because when I was in uh, university, you know, I, uh, English was my third language, and so I was, I thought I was never going to be very good at it, and I uh, just inherently went to sciences for that reason and then when you're in sciences you know the, the ambition is to become a physician because at least in my mind it was mm-hmm. respectable i do good work it is challenging it is continuously evolving it gives back i mean
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, it's, it's 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 an art form it's a skill i have for the rest of my life and um and then after you know, answering a bunch of interview questions from different universities, I realized, oh, you know what, this might not actually be the right fit for me. Not that it's wrong, it's just not the right fit for me because of the principles and the way, um, the tools that I'm allowed to use. And mm-hmm. uh, Because when you're a part of a, you know, the College of Physicians and Surgeons, your hands are a little bit tied because you're part of the system on what you can and can't do. And so I really feel for some of the physicians and some of the positions that they're in, especially currently uh, with uh, the pandemic going on and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, given what you said about, it could have been anything. Uh, it's interesting you say that because uh, as, a, as a young kid, I always had this feeling of, um, uh, I, I couldn't fall behind. I always had to be on par with everyone else. So if other people were finding jobs, if other people were finding their passion, I had to find my passion. And so. Mm-hmm. I was really kind of scrambling to be like, you know, what's it going to be? And, um, and then I discovered naturopathic medicine from my mother. And at first, I was a little hesitant because I was very unfamiliar with, uh, you know, acupuncture and herbal medicine and chiropractic and so on. And uh, there was a, a little bit of resistance there, but it was the principles that really uh, resonated with me. The you know, the treat the root cause. The doctor as a teacher. You know, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Um, let nature do its job so you know you get a fever and it's your immune system your body that's actually creating the fever and most of the time you don't need to take something for it to resolve because your body has all the tools now mm-hmm. sometimes of course there is a uh, an obstruction or hurdle and that's where you want to really address the cause and so the, these principles really really align and really really resonated for me and that's why I got in the naturopathic field and it, it's funny to me now because once i was accepted all of a sudden i had this realization oh well you know i could like i all of a sudden chose something and now i'm four years again in in, in education you know? <laughs> I'm four years right through university and now i'm again four years right into schooling and so i realized oh you know maybe i should have taken a little bit of time just to do some personal growth because uh I think I don't know about you, Shelby, but when I when I was young, I I thought a lot about what I wanted to be,
2: Mm -hmm. not
0: as much as who I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. And I think who you want to be really reflects a lot in any profession that you do, and and actually allows you to thrive in the profession that you're in, and really allows you to authentically show up both in your life and in your profession. And that's sort of where I actually hit a wall in my first year in practice because I realized. I had this idea of what a doctor was supposed to be in my head, but I wasn't, I was trying to be this person that I thought I had to be, and I wasn't being myself. And Mm -hmm. lo and behold, I wasn't having a lot of fun. I wasn't really enjoying what I was doing. I wasn't showing up. And how can you ask other patients to show up with you if they can resonate that something's not showing up for yourself, right? Mm -hmm. And So yeah, that's kind of like the story to it.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's good. Um, okay, well, and then you also said you had some health issues of uh, that that were. Is that what like triggered you to start it, or no? That was just a general thing that you that something. That was a about. general thing, although okay. it
0: really was the um, I had eczema when I was in the oh, university, okay. and it was on my face. And of course, aesthetically, I wanted to look pleasing to the eye, <laughs> and so it was a like a bit of an ego. I was felt very vulnerable and um i used to also get cold sores more frequently when i was in university now granted the university lifestyle wasn't one i would have <laughs> mm-hmm. prescribe for somebody but um uh, going into naturopathic school in my first year i managed to resolve both those aspects so now i days i get maybe a cold sore uh, once a year yeah yeah uh, i don't ever get eczema again mm-hmm. and, uh, and it was interesting because when i went to see my physician they told me well it's your skin you know it's It's what you're born with. You will have to live with it for the rest of your life. And that was a really, that was a really like climactic moment for me because, um, you know, when I was young, I had this idea of that you're invulnerable, nothing can touch you. And then as life takes place and evolves, you realize there's things in your life you cannot just get rid of. You can't just resolve and some things you're going to have to deal with. Mm -hmm something's longer, something's shorter, maybe something's for the rest of your life, right? And so that was a really vulnerable moment for me where I was like, oh, man, like, I'm not invulnerable anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, in that respect, naturopathic medicine really came in.
1: Yeah, I think, um, well, all that stuff normally with, like, doctors, like acne and all those sorts of things, like, I mean, I think usually a diet or proper lifestyle can fix that, like, almost every time.
0: Um, True, it does, but it's not easy. And most no. people go see the doctor. It's not because they want to go the hard way. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, if you come in for acne and you're young, and the doc sets you, ah, you're gonna to have to change your whole diet. So you can't go out for drinks with your friends. You can't eat that pizza for that, you know, Super Bowl party and whatnot. You're gonna be like, Ugh. or you know, they might say, oh, you know what? Here's tretinoin. We're gonna give you a high dose vitamin A like super high doses and voila, it's, it's <laughs> dissolved or it's like, you know, like significantly better. better. But you know, there's, there's liver toxicity and then your periods might get worse because of all the liver. And then there's all these side effects that come with it. And then mm-hmm. uh, you, you as a patient, at least if you're informed about it, at the end of the day, there's no right or wrong. You get to make a decision like, does that work for me? Yeah. Does that work for me right now? Yeah. But I hear what you mean. Like, <laughs> the, like the things we can do, we are so powerful as human beings. And, uh, and it's just about applying yourself every single day. And that's, that's uh, easier said than done. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, really a lot where my passion comes in. It's about making these decisions day to day, but finding uh, or discovering the why, why you're doing it. And also in a way that is enjoyable for you, that really, really like really resonates. I'm really big into people showing up authentically in their treatment plans and really honoring like that works for me, that doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. I can foresee an obstacle here, and I don't think I'm ready, or I do not have the tools yet to overcome that. Mm-hmm. And so, so that way, when people make changes, they're they're in alignment with it, and they might find those the silver linings in them.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. I guess it's like, yeah, I mean, even when I think about like back in the day when I first started to see you, um, there was no way I would have just like completely changed my life instantly to the way that it is now,
0: right? Um, yeah, and back then, I think I was like, really more so like, oh, no, you got to do this. This is the way it's got to be done. And there was less of that silver lining, less of that like middle process of what's going to take place and what's going to happen. I appreciate you being along the road with me for it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, that was awesome. I mean, i be like, like I said before, um, comparative to like a doctor, like I learned so much, even just from that first time, you know, from the initial consultation that we had, um, like well i mean even the research that i've done stuff now like doctors only have like i think at a max like four hours worth of like training on on nutrition or things like that so even the fact that nutrition takes a play in your health um i mean i guess for me it was the mental health thing because i never associated like how does eating food going into like your stomach have anything to do with your brain um and i think that's where i was pretty shocked um for the first time even I'm even hearing that right
0: yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, certainly we it sounds all prophetic being like, "Oh well, you are what you eat and you eat mm-hmm. what you are either one works really, and um uh but then you know, understanding the kind of like the details behind that, what's mm-hmm. taking place in your digestive tract, what are you actually producing that's making you feel that way, and what's your relationship around food, right,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot that can be there. Yeah, I know, honestly, big time. Um, and go, going back more for, for you with the, the doctor versus naturopath thing, like when you said you were making that decision on like what they did and didn't let you use, um, like for tools-wise, to be able to like
0: work with, was
1: that to be able to work with patients?
0: I think it's because I one thing I realized was that uh, volunteering in the hospital for 2 years uh i realized i never wanted to be in a hospital it was not a very healing space for me i mean mm-hmm. i think there's tremendous work done there i have tremendous respect for nurses actually i think they're like the top of the respect pinnacle of the pyramid for me um but uh it's the the system in which it's it's created and uh the you know there's certain um Things you might not like, but they have to be in place. Mm-hmm. And I just realized that who I was did not fit into that mold. Mm-hmm. And I also realized that if I wanted to be part of the public healthcare system, well, then I am able to make a big impact. I'll buy, I might only be able to see people for you know five to ten minutes. And uh, I'm a personal person, I believe. I like to connect mm-hmm. with people. I like to really understand the nitty gritty what's underneath the surface, you know, when we're peeling off the layers. Right. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's very difficult for me to do that within that scope. But I mean, there, there comes a price with free universal healthcare, right? Mm-hmm. There's a price that comes with that. And, uh, I think sometimes patients misunderstand that. You know, they say, Oh, my doctor didn't have time for me, or or my doctor prescribed me this medication before even looking much further. Or I was referred to the specialist. Well, these are all great options, actually, because you actually had those choices and you didn't have to pay a dime for it. And you got to see a physician that gave you or provided you with something that was in his toolbox. Mm-hmm. I'm not expecting a physician to be like, Yeah, I'm gonna make you an intravenous line of vitamins and minerals right now or hey let me just go in the back and concoct or herbal tea or tincture. No, there's no time for that. And and like you said, it's not actually within the scope of practice. Mm-hmm. I think that the, the way the system's set up is also to um help people when they're ill. Mm-hmm. Not when they're not feeling quite all right. You know, when you come to the doctor I'm like, yeah, something's not, I don't really know what it is, I'm not feeling at my best. The system's not quite set up for that. And um, and also the the testing the diagnostics that that we that we have in our system um they're not set up for that either you know if you take a look at people's you know something as simple as a thyroid marker uh, known commonly as a tsh a thyroid stimulating hormone um you know the range is actually fairly large it's from like 0. i think 4 or 5 to 5.2 5. or 5.4 that's a really big range and why is that such a big range because if you take you know let's say 60, 70% of the population, right? And you know, there's a lot of unhealthy people and there's also a lot of healthy people mm-hmm. and you put them on a statistical bell curve, uh, you're going to find this broad range of what's considered to be normal. What's the mean? What, what are the standard deviations? What's the medium between that? And, uh, and, you know, and when you get a test done and you fall in within that category or within that parameter, oh, well, then you're considered normal. But that might not necessarily be your normal, right? Because mm-hmm. you're a very unique individual and you have a unique upbringing and you have a unique genetic code and you have a unique nutritional intake and unique way of thinking and dealing and reacting and perceiving and coping with things. <laughs> and, um, and I think that's also uh, at times sometimes where naturopathic medicine is a little bit weaker in the evidence-based medicine field. Like it, It's interesting to me that I personally believe that, you know, Personalized medicine is, 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 is the pinnacle that we achieve for, I think. It really mm-hmm. that, doesn't matter what kind of medicine you do, but you really personalize it to that person, right? Mm-hmm. The trouble with that though, is that when you take that into consideration, like taking a human being into consideration, you think about all the variables I just mentioned, right? All the factors that make up that person, who they are. It's really difficult to assess something research driven you know Mm -hmm. very difficult to take into consideration um you know like if you took a drug or if you took a particular therapy for a certain period of time and let alone analyzing the research studies such as like you know who sponsored it how many people were in the sample size how many Mm -hmm. dropped out why did they drop out if they took a therapy Let's say they took vitamin C. Well, you know what form of vitamin C was it? Or they took vitamin E. What form of vitamin E was it? Taking all those specifics aside, you're just looking actually at the person. There's so many variables that are difficult to control as a researcher that it certainly it makes sense that some naturopathic modalities are very difficult to, uh, to assess. It makes, it makes sense but that's also in, in, in this like double-edged sword sort of um, uh, analogy it's also the strength right mm-hmm. and um, yeah that, 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 that was my digression there.
1: <laughs> yeah I think well because I've done a bunch of well I've seen a bunch of research and um, one one that I always remember was this I don't remember what it was called but it was for angina it was a pill like for like the heart pain yeah Um and the and for them to put that on the market, they did a study for I don't remember what it was, I think it was a couple months, and basically their like group had on average four attacks a week um, before they took this pill. And they took the pill for like, I think sixty days or ninety days, and it dropped to like three point five.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then they were allowed to sell that as a drug that works for angina. And it's on the market. I don't know what it's called, but I was like. You could literally do anything
0: you could even do nothing, and that might happen, yeah, then you need to look at like what's the relative risk, what's the absolute risks? Those are two very different kind of statistical measurements that are um, that the uh, public usually is not aware of,
2: mm-hmm. and then
0: you know like like you said, oh, this made a difference, but then like, were these people diabetics? were they smokers? did they exercise? did mm-hmm. they have you know like all these factors that you know researchers really try to control for with is some mm-hmm. things that are difficult, and then and then there's some research studies that, I mean, I gotta tip, tip my hat off and say, okay, well, I'm really happy you guys decided to research this topic because uh, you'll never make a dime out of it because it's not a therapy that's gonna get patented and you know go on the market. Yeah, but at the same time, it's like I sometimes forget that the average individual isn't aware of what their health can do mm-hmm. for them what medicine can do for them. So when a research study comes out that says exercise is good for your mental health or for your heart or for your overall health, a part of me is just like, really? Do you need a scientific research paper to tell you this? Really? <laughs> Not think. Or drinking enough water is good for you. Or, you know, having yeah. a diet low sugar is good for you. Uh, you know, what it means. <laughs> so, like, and I think that's that, that's that critical or maybe jaded or that... <laughs> disenchanted part of me that's just like oh this people should know that and Mm -hmm. so yeah i tip my head off being like well done i'm really happy you guys are putting this out there for people to see and then another part of me is just kind of surprised being like oh people need to know this because they don't they don't know this
1: yeah i mean that's and that's a little thing we talked about before too is like those are very simple things like to me now it's insanely obvious that you should just work out or do something like you know work out and eating and all those things make a huge difference mm-hmm. um <clears throat> but yeah like the more the more I like talk to people and get out there and you really realize that people actually have no clue like at all and and that's yeah it's kind of like mind-blowing but then you forget how much I mean especially you even over me how much research and learning and stuff have, have you done like you probably know so much that that stuff just seems like so long ago that it's insane.
0: Only so much because you know a lot of it just funnels in, and then you know it just it just keeps coming in. So some of it has to leave again. Yeah. So much yeah. up there. But that's why we as physicians always have books around, mm-hmm. you know. And, and I, I know so many colleagues of mine that are like tell the patient, just hold hold on a second, I'll be right back, and they go in their back room. They're like, okay, I gotta look up this page here because <laughs> I not <don't> know. <laughs> And that's normal because there's always so much information you can carry unless you very, very much spe- um, specialize in a field mm-hmm. uh, where, you know, you really uh, see the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. Whereas I think someone in a general family practice, you say everything and anything, right? Jack of all trades. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, uh, that's where knowledge, books, colleagues, uh, networking and some something like that. Having good, having good resources goes a long way.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's tons of it. Uh, There's a lot of
0: misinformation, right? There's the internet is one big resource and then you have patients come in and they get scared at times of what they read or, or they, you know, you give them a treatment plan. You say, okay, you need to follow this diet. And this is my take on this diet. And then they go and look up that diet on the internet and find four other versions of it. And then they ask you like, well, which one should I do? It's like, well, why did you check that out? Like, you're here. We're working together. This is what I think you should do now if what I wrote down does not resonate for you and you found another one that resonates very much for you, then certainly send it to me and maybe we can, you know, call align those and make that work for you. But Mm -hmm. it's sort of like in in medicine, if you have got too many cooks in the kitchen, you know, it'll spoil the meal. So it goes for a lot of things.
1: Yeah. There's, there's so much stuff on online too. I have a friend who has been kind of doing that. Like he'll go to the, the, he's been going to, um, I forget what that place in integrated in Fort Langley. Like so many people go there now, but he, he's been going there and he'll, I forget who he sees, but she'll give him like a little, um, like a diet plan and then he'll go and research it and be like, well, then this person says that you're supposed to do this. And she told me to do this and he'll call me and we'll talk about it. I'm like, I don't know, man. I'm like, I would just probably do what she says or show her. And then he would do what you said, like send them to her. And she'd be like, okay, well, whatever. You could do a little bit of that one. But it is kind of cool that you Pardon can. of me?
0: Sorry, oh, sorry, go ahead. Finish I was just going to say,
1: it is kind of cool that you can do that, right? It's like, okay, I mean, for me, I think a big thing is the belief factor. Like, if you don't believe that that diet's going to work and you do it, it's probably not going to work. But if you find one that helps, that, that you believe in and you think is going to be a lot more useful, um, if you can kind of combine those so that believability is there, I think that makes a huge difference.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I remember when I was first in university, uh, you know, the term placebo got tossed around like it was just some sort of filthy word. (laughs) But now, in retrospect, looking at it, you know, we also call placebo the meaning response, that when you have a belief in something, um, there's certain uh, advantages to um, doing or pursuing that particular route. Uh, I mean, it really says something that... uh, a research study has to be thirty percent because mm-hmm. otherwise it may be considered placebo. I'm like thirty percent, like that, that. That's a that's a high percentage, really yeah. to think about. And, and and the reverse is true as well. The nocebo response, when you think something is going to be harmful to you, and then it actually so you know follows through like that in mm-hmm. some way, shape, or form. Um, for me, I think a lot of it is um, compliance. Compliance, compliance, compliance. I think if you don't believe in something that doesn't, that's incongruent with you and then you're asked to do that one time a day or three times a day or five times a day, that's very difficult for you to be compliant to that and actually mm-hmm. um, do that in a way that you know, works in alignment with you. And I think there's a lot to be said for that. There's, many times I've provided therapies that didn't work out with patients because patients didn't do them. <laughs> yeah. it's like you had all the tools I gave you what to do and you still didn't do it and and certainly that makes sense because sometimes maybe I've like, like overloaded someone or someone wasn't clear with me I mean nowadays that's not so much an issue because I've always had a very like transparent dialogue with patients where I'm like you need to tell me exactly where you're at because I'm here for you like I'm not I'm not doing this for me I'm spending yeah. this time with you to give you what you're what you're searching for and you're actually paying me for it. You're actually investing in it. So listen to me. And if this doesn't work now, then let me know when it would work, under what circumstances it would work, what, what support you would need to make that work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a. I find there's a lot of, uh, call that just, uh, it's, it's like the little things that add add everything up. You know, those mm-hmm. in-between moments that are just, just as important as the going to see the doctor and, getting the treatment plan
1: mm-hmm. um do you find that like when people come to you um as opposed to like i mean because for me when i came i just basically they, there was just like nothing more that i could get out of the doctor it's like i went so many times and they just kept doing the same thing prescribing me out basically said here take this out and get some exercise and i'm like okay i'm like I got like I know,
0: respect. <laughs> yeah, I'm
1: like, I'm like, I know that I have to exercise, but I was like, I don't think I was we like, like, just, like it. I was like, there's no way that's that and that pill are gonna fix me. So I was like, I have to try something else. Um, but do you find that when people come in for the first time that they are like skeptical about things? Because it's, like, it's kind of a different way than most people know, right? Or, or most people, have they done a lot of research before they see you
0: for the first time? I think it's going like to any social networking event. You're going to find people of different creeds and ages. and yeah. So, you know, I, I have the, the, uh, the person that comes in that's actually forced in by their partner. That's, <laughs> that's the worst case scenario. You know, because, you know, you kind of need to do inception on them because they're going to be putting their walls up from the get-go. Yeah, You've got the person that comes in and just starts the first 20 minutes of uh, just bashing the medical system and, and is looking for some sort of connection through that, which they don't find with me. Because <laughs> I have a lot of understanding mm-hmm. uh, for both sides of that, that argument. And, um, you know, I, I, I have uh, some of those cancer patients that come up and... And then they're surprised that I suggest to them that they do this particular type of chemotherapy, mm-hmm. which I think their oncologist really appreciates when it comes from a naturopathic physician that, you know, I take a look at the research, I take a look at the stats, I take a look at the, the health, the quality of life of the patients, and of course, all the additional tools that we have in place as naturopathic physicians to support someone in that cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you know, you get some people that come in very skeptical you know, I, I'll never forget. I'll never forget this. You know, there's some patients you just can't forget. And this lady came in and uh, she sat down and she like immediately crossed her arms. She <laughs> sat across from me. And she, You're going to talk to me about diet and and like healthy thinking and lifestyle. And don't you dare talk about detoxification Then this meeting's over. I was just like, what? Really? <laughs> you know, like, you know, Certainly, the word detoxification, one can say that's a fad word that's commonly used, whatnot. But you know, if you Mm -hmm. if you defecate, if you urinate, if you sweat, you're detox. Like, (laughs) hang out of your body, right? Like, there's something to be said for that. Mm -hmm. So um, when people are that skeptical, I usually have a a very upfront conversation because you know, it's in a way I also have the right as a physician to to make the choice if I'd like to take this patient on as my patient. Mm-hmm. sort of like friendship in a way that I want to take on to work together because m- my belief is that, you know, you've probably waited quite a while for this to finally address this issue. It's going to take a little bit because mm-hmm. chances are there's multiple aspects of your health that haven't been addressed, right? Let alone mental, emotional, I'm talking even like just physically, here, you know, from like certain organs, cell function, etc. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, you know, like there's nothing more fulfilling for me than to look in my schedule and see a list of people that I love seeing. It's like, ah, oh, you're awesome. You're awesome. You're awesome. You're okay. And you're awesome. You're awesome. <laughs> and and that, that's a very fulfilling practice for me. And mm-hmm. so it's more to me about um, certainly what condition people come in because I have my strengths and I have my weaknesses. Uh, but also like, what kind of person am I working with? And are they willing to be on board? I mean, like, you wouldn't want to go on a like a, on a road trip with someone that's kicking and screaming for the entire way. That's not enjoyable at all. And then and I think there's a lot to be said about when you when you mentioned, you know, they've seen a, their physician and they were prescribed something and or they kept being prescribed the same thing, I had the same thing on the same thing in different form over and over again, and they felt like they weren't being heard. Mm-hmm. Um it's sometimes maybe that, that particular doctor. it, there's a lot to yeah. be said about a second opinion on things. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I usually recommend, I, I, this is something I ask patients and the get-go is like, well, how's your relationship with your, you know, your GP. And some people say, oh, it's amazing. I'm like, great. Some people say, I, I hate this person. And I'm like, well, well why would you work together? And I, and that's where the, of course the fallacy is where you know that, there's only so many physicians and there's this many people. And if you can, you consider yourself actually really lucky when you have a, a physician that you found, right. Someone mm-hmm. that'll take you. And, but it, you know, it, it becomes this, um, you no know, double-edged sword in a way where it's like, which way do you grip it? Like, you're happy to have this person, but you're also not resonating and working together. And it, it, at times both parties feel like their time's being wasted. Right?
2: Mm-hmm. So yeah.
0: Um, but that's—I think—that's where walk-in clinics. I mean, I to, to be honest here, i, I had a—I—I I had a physician, and you know, like, she wasn't bad. She just wasn't the right fit for me. She was actually a fairly good physician. She just, you know, we just didn't kind of click on the same terms or listening. She—I didn't feel like I was being really heard. So for like the last prior to that, I mean, you no, know, around that time, I think ten years, ten years worth of that time that passed. I was seeing walk-in doctors and mm-hmm. I did that until I saw far one that I was like, Oh, you know, we're really connecting. And I just asked what days that doctor was in yeah. and those days I came in. And certainly I didn't get in all the time, but I mean, I wasn't the case that needed to. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I usually recommend that for patients and and honestly go on the college of physicians and surgeons website. And uh, you can always find, um, not always <laughs> but you can hook up doctors in your area and see who's currently Accepting new patients. You kind Mm -hmm. of have to jump on it. And yes, most people are usually grandfathered in through a connection or their family member or whatnot.
1: Yeah, I find a lot of places actually don't take new clients. Like there's so many people. Yeah, I remember a clinic
0: said, oh, we accept clients. You call a week later. Sorry, we're home.
1: Yeah. I even up my like family doctor, I actually think he might have retired now. But for me, even to get in, like I always found that it was so long. I'd call and she'd be like, yeah, we're booking you for next month. I'm like, next month. I'm like, how the hell is that supposed to help? So then, but they have like an emergency appointment every day. So if you call at 9am and basically fake that it's not fake, but say that you really need to see someone. Uh, Just just more expressive. Yeah. Then you can get in that day or usually usually I tend to be expressive when I'm at the doctor's office. (laughs) Yeah. Or the next day. So I would always do that and it would work out, but, um, you know, yeah, I think the connection thing, too, because, you know, like you're only in the doctor's office for like five or 10 minutes. I think that was the huge I you the time
0: you're waiting for the doctor to show up.
1: <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. You're spending a lot more time by yourself in the <laughs> lobby. Yeah. But I think for me, yeah, like that five minutes and then coming to see you as a naturopath and spending like, you know, each appointment was at the minimum. 30 minutes especially the first yeah, like two minutes you know you're looking at like 90 bucks out of your
0: pocket so you come in for a first hour you're spending 200 210 dollars and that can really feel like a lot of money when you're used to not paying a dime for for health right mm-hmm. like i can totally resonate with that i i understand it and i also understand it from my perspective and from my college's perspective and from my association's perspective i mean like And we went through also eight years of education. There's hundreds and thousands of dollars that went into the education, the tools, let alone practice existing and the staff that you have to pay and Mm -hmm. um, what you take on. I mean, like most people don't know that I believe that when you see a medical doctor, you're not covered under the healthcare system. I think it's like $180 for that 10 minutes or something like that. Oh, really? People don't recognize, of course, you know, the benefits they have in being on mm-hmm. but there's something to be said it's kind of like you want to work out and you haven't been able to push yourself and um it's one thing to be said about signing up for a gym membership
2: mm-hmm. and there's
0: something else to be signed about paying an upfront fee to a trainer or to some you know like very specific specialized like boxing crossfit of uh, 10 mm-hmm. or you know round seven or I don't know there's so many different things that they're called that makes you feel like I've invested in this so I'm committed and so I want to do this and mm-hmm. there's nothing more I enjoy than working with committed people and to be honest uh, when I was a student in, um, in the Boucher Institute that's a naturopathic school in the Westminster they have a clinic there for um, low-income families certainly mm-hmm. because you have uh, students that are seeing you and then they are reporting back to a supervisor who is the that patient's physician per se mm-hmm. but the students are like the middlemen that get to learn they get to also make their mistakes they get to get feedback both from the patients and from the from 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 the doctor mm-hmm. and so there, there, there's a lot to be said for the sort of training that comes together with that that was a yeah.
1: point I was gonna make and I forgot about it. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of well, like on on the money factor too. Um, I kind of like that for an accountability. It's like you go to the doctor and you spend five minutes or ten minutes and it's kind of like okay, or I come um, and I know I'm spending two hundred dollars for this information. Um I'm a lot more likely to use that um and make sure I do something because then if, you know, then I'm booking another point, like, what am I going to do? Spend $200, then book another one, spend another $150 next week and just sit at home and do nothing. Like I yeah. wanted to be able to report that I'm doing things. Doing
0: fast. something and, and seeing a change. And that's also sometimes difficult because, you know, people then expect, they say they paid $210 or whatnot for that initial consult. And then they expect to be like cured because they paid that amount the next time. And certainly if it's like an infectious disease and you take the uh, what, prescribed antiviral, antibacterial, antibiotic, whatever, then that's really, really good. But Mm -hmm. most people nowadays don't come into the doctor's office because they have a communicable disease, like an infectious per se disease, Mm -hmm. but because they have a non-communicable or something else that's chronic going on. And I think in some respect, that certainly includes dormant infections that Mm -hmm. are uh, very tough and take a long time to resolve. A lot of people live with dormant infections that they don't recognize. And the point I was trying to make about <laughs> Boucher Institute was the fact that because it's a low-income clinic, my experience was that the people that didn't have to pay because you could always sponsor patients, mm-hmm. they didn't have to pay for anything. Those are their, you're always your lowest compliance. Those mm-hmm. are people. Every does did you do this? No. Did you do this? No. Did you do this? Why didn't you do this? I didn't get around to it. Did you do this? No. And certainly that gets frustrating, but you know, you're, you're human. You can have an understanding for it. But mm-hmm. you know, even if it's $5, if it's $10, it has to be a small commitment I find or investment for that person to have this mental commitment to what they're going to pursue in their life.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that it's important. I was actually talking to my, I told my life coach about that too, the other day, because he has, he started like a, it's like a mental health AI bot that you mm-hmm. can like talk to and it gives you advice back and he wants to give it away for free and kind of use it as like a lead magnet to bring clients in. And I'm like, yeah, I like yeah, but I think I should just give it to people. And I was like, well you could, but you think they're going to use it? I was like, they will. They'll think it's cool. You get that person in, they'll probably use it for three days and then they won't. If you make mm-hmm. someone pay even three bucks or seven bucks or 10 bucks for it a month, then they're probably going to use it. Like if you had, I said you should set some software up to see the retention rate on how long they actually use it for. Um, yeah, I can almost guarantee the person who had to pay a minimal couple dollars would use it way longer or keep using it as opposed to if you just, or, or they,
0: they used it and, or they, let's say they, they invested in it and they didn't use it. And they didn't resubscribe, but mm-hmm. and then also that's a that's a really good marker because that tells you that's not the kind of person that I'm trying to market this to anyways. Mm-hmm.
1: Right? Yeah, exactly. just as much
0: valuable information.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're kind of like weeding out. You got to hit your niche, right? And everything yeah, yeah. Get rid of the people who aren't going to do it.
2: Yeah, exactly. yeah.
1: I think. um, Well, and the other thing that I liked about yeah, the clinic was expensive, but. um, well, it's funny too. Cause when I tell people, like, I, I get reach out to a lot and people ask, you know, I want to see a naturopath. Where should I go? Um, or no, they ask who I see, like, who's your naturopath It's like, well, he's on Salt Spring Island. So <laughs> I don't, you can't see him as I don't even see him anymore. Um, yeah. and I haven't really been to since you left and went over there. I don't, I've, I've seen one doctor at integrated once. Um, but I've referred a lot of people there and, uh, like, well, how much does it cost? I'm like, well, I, I don't know. I was, basically what I did actually, when I came to see you, I researched the most expensive place pretty much that I could find. Nice I was day. like look, looking around and I asked for recommendations and the places just kind of looked weird. And I was like, I don't know. And then integrated was like a fair bit. Most places were like a hundred bucks and integrated was about two. And I was like, I don't give a shit. I like Fort Langley. It's nice down there. Um, whatever it's got, it must mean it's good if it's expensive. So I did that. Um, I wasn't really looking for a cheap deal. I just wanted the best help I could find. I find people that look for the deal.
0: Usually they're missing the point of what, why they're going to, (laughs) Yeah. why they're doing this in the first place. Uh, I mean, I certainly can understand everyone's financial restrictions, especially nowadays. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I said, there's a little bit of investment that goes a long way. Yeah. Yeah. uh, I think people sometimes also forget that it's, it's certainly you pay for that time with the doctor for the hour or hour and a half or hour long. But there's like so much time we take as NDs afterwards to research your case, to come up with plans, to write up your plans, to all these things that people just take for granted. But mm-hmm. that's, that's fine because that's the kind of stuff we're meant to be doing behind closed doors.
1: Yeah, that's just part of it. Part of the deal, man. <laughs> um, and even, well, the other thing I like about integrated too was the uh, – like does not every well at your practice now um you know how they had the other little room where like the nurses worked and they would give you the IVs and stuff yeah uh, does every clinic have that like I've never been to another naturopathic no. clinic
0: no I don't think it's I not think that common that. no no they don't I don't even have that but like my my practice now is very different you know when I was at in, in, integrated it was like you know I, I always called the ship you know, there's like so many crew members and like yeah. different captains and whatnot There's like, you know, it's a tight ship and there's a lot of things going on. And mm-hmm. now I'm on a private practice and I realized I just kind of like doing my own thing. So mm-hmm. you know, I've got three rooms and they're very specific. And in, in terms of the intention that's used for them, and I also don't have a reception because I, I find nowadays with everything being digital and online mm-hmm. and uh, the software that's out there, you don't need to separate. Uh, create the separation of like you're you're waiting in an area. You pay, or like you go and do something. You come back. You pay for it. And mm-hmm. uh, I take care of most of that myself. And um, and because it's a home based business, you know people hang out in the living room and they feel like they're hanging out in the home and they get a cup of tea or a cup of coffee, make themselves cozy. Some people afterwards stay behind for a little bit. Some people we usually encourage people to go and walk up the 70 acres of a property. So we created a lot of healing spaces around that with the intention of becoming a, sort of a health resort, a naturopathic medical retreat center. Mm-hmm. So a lot of my time has been put on that. And, you know, because uh, the idea is being a naturopathic medical retreat center and the fact that we've got uh, one, two, three, six, you know, six rooms, that's mm-hmm. six to 12 patients, six to 12 people, you're working with six to 12 people every day you don't need to have, you know, 50 clinic rooms. You don't need to have a reception. You don't need to have all these things, right? Mm -hmm. So so really specialized and focus on what we wanted to do and the kind of feeling we wanted to evoke, right? Mm -hmm. We wanted to create something different, especially as a retreat center that people just came here and they they felt at home. They felt Mm it. Because I think that feeling of feeling comfortable and feeling at peace, that's healing right there. (laughs) So I find like a lot of medicine, it's good, but it doesn't work as effective if you aren't ready to receive that. You know, If you're running around like a, like a plucked chicken all day, uh, it's going to be very difficult for you know, your adrenals to recover, for your immune system to activate, for your muscles to relax, for you to get good sleep. And so when you're trying to take all these pills or all these you know, pharmaceuticals or whatever it is or nothing at all, you're doing lifestyle, it's, <laughs> it's a lot harder for some of this stuff to do its work. Your body's not ready to take that on.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's a huge, I mean, I guess that's where I had an advantage too, because I took work off. Like I didn't have a choice. I was so messed up that I pretty much couldn't move. Like I couldn't go to work and I would get so instantly stressed out, um, that I just basically had to take a year off and do nothing. And I think that was like one of the biggest things. If, if you're going to keep trying, stressing yourself out and going, 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 it's really hard to make a change like you're kind of just trying to constantly battle that thing and nothing's really happening it's just like yeah
0: right do the same thing over and over again without ch- achieving a different result yeah
1: nothing's really changing yeah
0: um, i hear you and uh, I, you know in a, in a way i think there's a little bit of the silver lining with this pandemic taking place where people are forced to not go to work and are forced to stay home and uh and i really recommend for all the viewers right now to really consider, you know, how can I be a creator in my life right now? Or how can I really get in touch with myself? Because I'm sure there's a lot of people that are at home that are maybe looking for distractions because they can't go to work. And um, there's maybe some things emotionally that are coming up that they've been trying to suppress for a long time. This is actually the opportunity to let that open and let that out and, and feel that because, it's too easy to go back to work whenever that'll be happening and then be like, oh, I'm too busy to do that. Oh, I got these things going on. Oh, no, I need to do that. And, uh, you know, we run ourselves with a bunch of excuses all day. And so and I think nowadays, because of what's happening, people don't really have that excuse. Mm-hmm. They'll have other ones. <laughs> yeah. That's human. That's human. I, I, I got plenty.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. no. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think it is a great time. And that's what I've been saying. I'm like, I mean, you've got so much time now. Um, There's really no, I mean, even if you're only going to dedicate an hour a day to yourself, I mean, that's an hour more than you did every other day. Yeah, truly dedicate and take the time to
0: do that. I mean, I've been all my life. I'm like... super fast at everything that I do, like way too fast, like anxiously written fast, mm-hmm. restlessly fast. And uh, this period was, you know, has been a beautiful time for me to slow down and really be okay with slowing down too, you know, because mm-hmm. everyone else has to slow down. I don't have to feel guilty. I'm not sedentary, you know, I'm not being lazy by slowing down a little bit. And then when you get past that phase, you can actually really acknowledge what's going on. And then you know, for me, I've been like, oh, what I've learned, and the way I've adjusted, the way I've shown up for myself and my family and my wife and my kid, I like that. I like that person. Mm-hmm. And how can I, how can I bring that into a new era of my life? Mm-hmm. I think all, a lot of us are going through transitions right now, you know, emotionally, mentally, I think also very much professionally, people go mm-hmm. through. Uh, seeking different career opportunities because of what's happening and being forced to do that. And yeah, yeah there's, there's growing pains that come with that. But uh, I think once you're past the growing pains, you're, you're like, Oh, you know, like I've been wanting to do this all my life. and The situation has provided the silver lining for me to do that.
1: hmm Yeah.
0: I wonder how, how it'll
1: be um, <clears throat> a- after this. Like, I think um, like, like kind of like the slowing down factor, if. if people will kind of stay like that once it's all things come back to normal, I guess. Yeah.
0: Honestly, <laughs> so we'll be around for that.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and for the, your, cause you guys were getting ready to open <coughs> the, the retreat center, right? Or is it like red? Is it finished?
0: Well, it's already set and done, but right now with. Uh, yeah. The taking place. We're not expecting anybody visiting
1: anytime soon. So. No, but <laughs> But but it was ready to launch until this happened
0: yeah, pretty much i mean there's uh there are some legal hurdles we have to go around with the islands trust, but we're allowed to do in a different way what we want to mm-hmm. right now with what's everything's happening, we just put it on a standstill. So and'll be like, okay, we got time to wait squeeze mm-hmm. this out, and uh in the meantime i'm wanting to put everything that I do that I wanted to share with people here at this retreat center, because I think it's a really remarkable space.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I've been always a very much a, uh, like an in-person person. You know, I've always kind of shied away from the media, from digital, from social media, etc. cetera. Mm-hmm. And I'm realizing now with what's happening, like, you know, you're kind of forced into this. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And, uh, so I've started this, I'm starting this YouTube channel. And I've acquired all this equipment and I'm, I'm going to be sharing with my patients and people, right? Mm-hmm. Anybody. Uh, what I wanted to share with people here in person and actually bring that forth online. So that's kind of what I'm focusing on right now until, uh, until we further what, what's
1: happening in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'll be good. Um, do you know when you're going to have the first stuff out?
0: I'm hoping to have the first stuff up by the end of this week. Nice. Actually, I'm not hoping I will. I will. <laughs> At the end of the day, you know, like that—that's the thing about me, though. I'm like—I'm a huge perfectionist. I gotta get everything ready. I gotta yeah. get all things I think My son gets a lot of, and so <laughs> everything's gotta be like perfectly set up. And uh, oh, but I have to learn this software, and oh, I have to learn this equipment to make this better. And then I'm recognizing just, you just put out your first video. It's not gonna be the best video. It's not. It's because it's the first. And so just put it out there and then keep putting it out there and then you're going to get with time that experience to know what to do and how to do and where to do. But, but I hope I'm going to reach an audience or at least make an impression on my first one or on my hundredth one. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But really just start putting it out there and uh, yeah, just showing the world what I, what I know and mm-hmm. doing it in a way that it's like entertaining but also informative. You know, for mm-hmm. someone that's watching and really gets it and really feels like they're being personally spoken to about what's happening for them or something that they're passionate about. That's why they found the video and to find different ways of looking at it or uh, ways to use it or further steps to be more involved in it. Mm -hmm. So like, that's kind of what I'm excited about. I I got a few thoughts floating around my head and I think a lot of it is originally going to be, or initially going to be very much things, lifestyle things that, um, or medical aspects of our life that we could all recognize and resonate with. Mm -hmm. So this is not so much a channel for my colleagues. This is not something that like, I wouldn't be watching my colleagues channel if they were talking about stuff that I do already. But sometimes it's nice to hear a different person's take on it. Mm -hmm. And the analogies, this is what what I'm always most interested in is because analogies is a different way to tell a story, Mm -hmm. Uh, but story has the same impact or the same outcome. And so I think this is more so for the public that that I'm doing this. And Mm -hmm. who knows, you know, unfold organically and I get to see who my community is and I wouldn't be surprised if you know it's sort of like show me your friends and I'll show you who you are that your community ends up being a bit of a reflection of yourself right because that's what people can connect with
1: mm-hmm. yeah that's true that's a good point actually I never really thought about that that they would kind of be like you
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean there's got to be some sort of overlapping interest I imagine yeah Maybe yeah Humor, or it's in the delivery or it's in you
1: know, the joy you have in I don't know, drum
0: mm-hmm. putting drums for the or who knows what?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh yeah. No, that'll be good though to get to yeah. I mean and I think that's you too, just starting and getting something out there. Um I'm I think like even you and I, like even now that you just say that, like, you know, you, you kind of attract people like yourself. I'm literally the exact same way. It's like so perfectionist with the podcast, like even this when my first time, like took me a year to put to do it. Yeah, because yeah. I was like, nope, it's not ready yet. I don't know enough. It's not going to. And, and the too. fear of failure, right? Yeah,
0: that's that, that's a big one. The fear of failure, the fear of fear of not being good enough, and like that's why you know I easily preach to people. Oh, you know, like this is a time where you should need to slow down and you need to become a creator. Without need to, you, you know, if you have a, I think we all have the ability to create within us. So yeah, I think in some degree you should be able to do that. Uh, but the the problem with creating is that it creates an opportunity for failure. Mm-hmm. for rejection, for commentary, or not <laughs> good enough. And I think when you get over that hump, you realize oh, it's not so bad.
1: No. Like, and like Those things are going to take
0: place anyways.
1: Yeah. Like if you're the one putting yourself out there uh, and people are commenting or whatever, maybe saying they don't, you know, I think people are always scared of negative comments or feedback, but at the end of the day, like the people who are giving you that are people who are, they're too scared to do what you're doing anyways. Um, well, you're so right about that. Like if you're the one who's in the ring playing the game and they're not, then it doesn't really matter what they say. What like, They don't really have yeah. any advice.
0: Yeah, I think that's where also I come against a little bit of my own uh, obstructions because, you know, I've looked at other people doing social media and, you know, walking around with their cameras and <laughs> talking about stuff. And, and there's many times topics I am not interested in and I, and I judge it. Mm-hmm. I'm, i mean i'm very much a lurker in the way that i don't really write anything but I, yeah know, like my own opinions, like everyone does and i think to myself oh my god i could never do that oh, who wants to know that it's oh, terrible whatnot and um and then when i started wanting to think about doing this i really came against myself and i realized yeah you know whatever these people are talking about even if i don't resonate it they're showing up mm-hmm. they're actually showing up and they're showing up authentically in the way that they know, or even if it's inauthentic and they're just getting something else out of it, they're at least doing it. And that's, that's got to be celebrated, you know? So, and I guess that's what I'm kind of like hesitating (laughs) to, right? So like I said, this week for sure. It's it's going down. It's happening. <laughs>
1: we'll have a big celebration for your first place.
0: Elevator. I'm going to send you the video. And, you, know, <laughs> you know what? You should be checking all of it so I can get over my health easier. <laughs> <laughs> how,
1: how long were you going to do the videos? Are they going to be like longer or shorter? No, ones? no,
0: 10, 15 minutes. I think okay. anything older than that is uh, is killing people's time. I, I really respect people's time and I want to make sure they get what they want out of it. Mm-hmm. And then they get to learn something, but also feel entertained. Not just that, you know, you went through like a Wikipedia page and you just learned a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, I definitely didn't want to, and I wanted to create, you know, different footage, different areas, different scenarios. Maybe I'll dress up even at times differently. And just to like keep a person engaged in this because, you know, I, I wasn't a teaching role for quite some time. I, I was a supervisor with students and I recognize like people don't online don't have an attention span for like an hour. That, no. That's sometimes what I struggle with is when I go on YouTube and I see um colleagues of mine do a presentation. Well certainly they actually just filmed their presentation that was meant for an audience, not yeah for an online audience. But they filmed that and I'm just like, oh I'm sitting here, it's pixelated, the audio's terrible and it's an hour of just talking unless you're just like, you know, unless that's your like lifeblood and you just love that topic,
1: Mm -hmm. it's kind
0: of difficult to stay the whole way there for it. So um, I think I want to create something that's really informative and applicable for yourself in a very health-related capacity, which a lot of things are. Like Mm -hmm. a lot of things are health-related, even like things you enjoy doing.
1: Yeah. And are are you going to showcase some of the... Like the retreat center, like
0: oh yeah, totally well, this, the way I thought about it was i'm here, got got a big home and a huge acreage property, and uh this is like a playground for, in a way, like a medical <laughs> playground versus, yeah, you know, where I got to do and show and share why I did certain things there and why i didn't do certain things here, and um you know, I have some drone footage of, of the property as as, as a b reel to really get people into feeling like they're there with me Mm -hmm. that's what i want to do you know because i i always thought i would just want to do this with people here and then i realized let's i think there's i can actually share this with people online i think that's possible i used to never think that experiences translate online but this whole transition period that we're living in now has really made me double double think about you know people having zoom meetings people working far away from home i'm getting and people uh, doing FaceTime much more with me and just getting together just to chat or have a glass of wine or whatnot. And so I'm, real, I'm recognizing how much room there is actually for the online platform to share an experience together. And so that's really what I want to be doing. And mm-hmm. uh, I finally got all the equipment to do it. So it's just me putting a little bit of fire into my ass and getting going.
1: Yeah, that'll. it's going to be awesome too, because I think um, it'll showcase so much that it'll almost be like, when, when things do come back around, it'll also be so much to showcase what's going on there for people who actually want to come in person when that's, yeah. a, when
0: that's an option too, right? Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with you. Cause mm-hmm. I mean, I, like I said, I was always, always kind of more narrow mind being like, this is more for the pe- person that comes here, not for the person to see. And I think our website does a really good job at showcasing a feeling. That's always one. I wanted to give people a feeling of something. And certainly there's medical information on that website to, that people can relate with, but mm-hmm. it's not one of those medical websites you go on. And it's just medical jargon for like 500 pages mm-hmm. and it's this lexicon of of different information. That's not what I wanted to create. I mean, there's a thousand websites you look for one of those, or you look for something. You let me know, I'll send you to them. But that's not what we wanted to create. Mm-hmm. So for us, it was very much about videos and the feeling and the the look of it, and also. Um, yeah, getting some of the, my, my principles across and the importance, you know, like like a big thing here was nature, nature being a very important piece that people are really wanting to connect with right now. Or uh, neuroception, the aspect of polyvagal theory, which is all about people are in states before they're in stories and people react to things before they even recognize they react to things. And they do that because they've been taught since childhood to respond to certain things um, Physiologically, and then there comes a feeling behind that, and then also you know, the importance of nutrition. You know, like all spring, uh, I'd say probably every meal that I have has come from a farm or somewhere within my thirty-mile radius, and that feels really kind of special. And so I know where my food's coming from, and that's certainly important. But also about putting food together in a way that's easy and enjoyable and having mm-hmm. fun with it. Like the big thing for this whole project and everything that i am even doing online was about having fun, finding the silver lining and that it doesn't have to get so... I find people, and for good reason, uh, people that, that struggle with a health concern, um, they get lost in this hamster wheel after a while. They get down this snowball effect and they might get several different diagnostic labels. And I know people that I see that have uh, just like lists three sheets of different supplements that they're taking. And it gets to a point where it gets just very confusing. and gets very overwhelming and everything gets very, very, very fear oriented. And- Consequence oriented. So it's like, oh no, I missed my B5 vitamin today. It's the whole day has gone wrong. And it's like, no, that's not the way it works, right? Mm-hmm. And really understanding why you're taking something. And, uh, and in a way, that meaning response of feeling good and in alignment with everything that you do and creating that simplicity for people, finding that joy in taking care of yourself and not, you know, flagellating, beating yourself into submission to feel better or detox harder or whatnot and you know there's something said to be said for compliance and there's something to be said for diligence and consistency and and fighting your own demons and going against the grain for yourself Mm -hmm. there can be also a lot of uh, peace a lot of tranquility um, a lot of serenity in that process Mm -hmm. yeah you definitely need both Yeah. yeah yeah I, I think it's just, if if you just go the hard road all the time, it just hardens you as a as a person and uh and i, I and I know that all too well personally. <laughs>
2: yeah
1: it's exhausting <laughs> yeah no for sure well, it's nice that you got well it's nice that you guys are out there in that's in that space now too you're not cooped up inside of a uh yeah a apartment downtown
0: or something like that right I think about that a lot i think about what would it be like if I was back in my one bedroom apartment with my partner, a dog, and a two-year-old with another child on the way in three months? <laughs> How would I feel? Would I feel the same way? Would I feel worse? Would I would I go a little stir crazy? I think I probably would. Mm-hmm. Here, because we're on Salt Spring Island where it's like a rock removed a little bit. And you know, you kind of go into town to do your groceries anyways, it doesn't feel much different besides some of the restrictions on or some of the new etiquette of doing your groceries. Mm -hmm. I I must admit at times you forget times I forget what's happening in the world because I'm fortunate enough to be so deep entrenched in the woods and in nature and, you know, in a retreat center where I get to do a lot of things. Right.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are are the people over there like taking it as seriously as they are uh, on
0: the mainland? Or I guess you might not even know that. Yeah, they are. I'd say so. Although what's my comparison all I know is the people here I don't know really what's happening on the mainland yeah I mean I wouldn't certainly have people's I see people wearing masks here I see people some people wearing gloves here
2: mm-hmm. but
0: then I also see people congregating together and so yeah kinda of get both worlds
1: yeah so same thing
0: so I think in I think it's this yeah it's the same thing I just think the difference is is that when you're in an urban city, mm-hmm. city like Vancouver or Toronto or Montreal, um, you know, there's a certain buzzingness to it, right? That attracts mm-hmm. some people. Some people like being in the know of things, in the moving of things, in the trend of things. Mm-hmm. That, that's definitely something I miss being on this island. And so I think that with that buzz, it's almost like a community buzz, a cultural buzz, an urban buzz that everyone mm-hmm. can up like a spark. And I think in some cities, it's worse than others. Like, you know, like I've heard when someone I once told a person, oh, you know, like Vancouver is really fast for me. It's a really quick pace. They laughed at me. and They were like, oh, you got to come to LA. And if you <laughs> want to have it really hard, you go to New York. That's even faster than everything else. And so like, you got to take that into consideration. If you got, like, I don't know what they're feeling like in LA or. No. Like, right? like that buzzing is probably a lot louder.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I couldn't even imagine that. I've heard people say the same thing. Um, kind of want to go once just to see. <laughs> yeah. Even I feel like Vancouver is a lot for me. Like you said, I'm like, oh my gosh. It's uh... yeah, yeah, I just found when I
0: was living in North Vancouver, I wasn't actually going much downtown anymore. and I actually noticed people on the weekends were going to North Vancouver because now it's a hub of like, you know, we've got the Lonsdale Key, not just mm-hmm. the market, the whole place with the restaurants and everything and the mm-hmm. brewery alley and whatnot. And I just realized like, oh, you know, it's, it takes more work to go to downtown and then you got to pay like entrance speed to go to bars. And oh, <laughs> yeah, why would I pay God. entrance fee to go to bar? that's ridiculous. Yeah. It's a lot of lineups everywhere and it's loud and it's like, oh, you know what? i like it for certain times. I mean, like my wife and I, when we first moved to Salt Spring Island and we came back to visit Vancouver, I don't know, there's got to be like a force field or something that you move through because uh, there's a certain period of time when you're like, I don't know, you're driving, let's say, down south of Graham you're going into town. You're starting to feel a little more restless. You're starting to feel a little more anxious. Certainly a little bit more road rage comes out. You're certainly finding out, you know, drivers are not really communicating with each other and you get this like, and whatever it is, you know, we both felt like, oh, this feels really uncomfortable. It's a good thing we didn't go to Come like move. It's a good thing we moved out of Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd felt it the first time, we felt the second time, felt the third time. But then I also told my wife, you know, instead of seeing that feeling as a negative thing, have you ever considered seeing it as something positive? That slight restlessness, that slight buzzing. Things are moving. They may be moving a little too fast you. That's okay, you're gonna catch up to things. And actually taking it for what it is as a city and enjoying that because you're not gonna get that back home, mm-hmm. you won't. You won't. back here. I don't even have a single streetlight. light uh, I don't we got one single stop sign, no, yeah, the entire island right and so uh when you take that into consideration, that kind of buzzing, you kind of miss that in a way.
1: Mm-hmm. So yeah, it like, is it is crazy it's the over di-
0: linings, man it's over <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: it's crazy the difference over there, honestly, like um every time I come over there to salt spring, I'm like, man, this is like I mean I like it but um, yeah, it's like insanely opposite of of the city. Yeah, I, th-
0: I think there's the there, there's there's the enjoyable aspect of um, being able to take a break. You know, mm-hmm. that's the nice thing about Salt Spring. Whereas for me, it's like the opposite. Is like taking charge or whatever that's called. It's like, <laughs> yeah, sure. a lot more upbeat. You know, I find that that's just just counter culture where some people come here to relax and. And then I come to Vancouver to feel a bit more buzz in my life. Mm-hmm. And it just depends on like really, again, honoring what kind of person am I? Like do, do I need more buzz or do I need more relaxation? Right. And yeah, I guess at the end of the day you can create that in your own world wherever you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And always changing that too. Like,
1: I think like one big thing, people are so scared to move like location oh, yeah wise a lot. And it's like, if you're in the city and it's too much, like, there's no reason you can't like do something like you guys did go live on Salt Spring. Maybe in four or five years you decide you want to live in the city again. Like yeah. nothing's saying mm-hmm. you can't do that.
0: I think, I, I think that's really important. I, I've never wanted to like um, not mold myself but like you know confine myself to this is who I am. This is what I have to do. I think very much I'm a bit of a gypsy where I like to travel. I like changing my life my family always called it you know I, I like changing my life and what i'm actually recognizing now in my life is that i like experiences more than i like owning things mm-hmm. so for me it's like i would love to drive a ferrari for the experience of driving a ferrari <laughs> but there's nothing to be gained for me for owning a ferrari unless i want to experience it all the time but the, that's the thing about experience is that for me once i've experienced it a few times i'd like a different experience
2: mm-hmm. I'd like to,
0: many experiences in my life as I can and I think moving is very much an experience because you're not just moving your foundation of where you live and all the places you go to but also your community around you you know like I've made new friends different kind of friends I've learned things that I would have never learned in Vancouver being on Salt Spring Island like I know how to point out different trees and know what they are. I know how to point out different birds or animals. I know how to use a chainsaw. I know how to (laughs) cut wood properly. I know how to compost properly. I know how to, you know, garden and fertilize, and weed and prune trees. That might not be really interesting for someone in the city. Certainly, why would you do any of those things? But being on that, (laughs) those are actually really all important skills that you use throughout the year. And I'm really grateful to have learned this arsenal of skills, especially... Something that's not medically related. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just because I learn medical stuff all the time. I have books all the time. I re- look at research all the time, and so it's sometimes refreshing to learn something that's more like you know, utility-wise, more hands-on. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's refreshing. <laughs> I think I think you need that in your life a little bit of a little bit of uh, you know a little bit of a, a little bit of B. Mm-hmm. Yeah, keep it, change it up, and yeah, 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 change it up. Change up. It's just, you know, when you're married and you've got a family or whatnot, you can't change it up too often. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People that need to change with you. <laughs> yeah, that makes it I'm a little <laughs> <laughs>
1: But you guys are all in Salt Spring, right? Like the whole family's there now. Yeah, yeah. The
0: whole family's here. Um, so we're a lot closer to my family now than we work, my wife's family. Mm-hmm. Back in Vancouver. And and there's a lot to be said about working together as a family. Wow, you really get to learn in family when you work together. And yeah. different side of your family of your parents or who they are you get to really see them as human beings both great and fallible at the same time (laughs) you see how people work things and figure out your own strengths and weaknesses Mm -hmm. and uh yeah no i really consider sometimes being on salt spring island like a a bit of a pilgrimage Mm
2: -hmm. Like
0: since i've lived here and i've lived here now for a year and a half it's been like just experience after experience after experience and I'd say half of them not pleasant, but <laughs> the experiences and you learn from those and they build character and integrity. And there's a lot of growth and evolution that comes away. And I say that now, you know, but, you know, whenever I tell, say to let things unfold organically, I'm like the last person letting go, kicking and screaming. So <laughs> it's been tough at times, but uh, looking back at it now, certainly in retrospect, I can say I'm happy. Yeah, I,
1: th- I think the worst experiences are always the best stories, anyways
0: yeah honestly <laughs> honestly uh, yes and no there's some experiences my wife still brings out at parties i'm like ah, i don't want to hear this story again like i've heard the story too many times it takes me back there every time i don't want to do that
1: <laughs> yeah. uh well what is I, I don't know if you have one is there is there one of the what's the worst yeah i'll tell you one right now had i a, an
0: event that i t- had parted took place in new york uh it was on on cnn mm-hmm. it was a flight that was that was on the tarmac for 17 hours that that was me i was on that flight and i was also then i was waiting another four hours to let the flight go and the flight was actually day prior but after waiting another three hours they had to send me back home and uh so I, all in all i was like over 24 hours traveling confined in, in, a, in an airplane and you know like it it was like lord of the flies man it's like things just started getting a little crazy people are sort of like petitioning and water's running out and the kids are screaming and the toilets are just looking desecrated at this point and but, but no 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 one's allowed to lay down in, in, in vip business class right even though there's like empty seats there because you know you gotta yeah hold gotta hold the bowl or whatnot and i just remember that was a really really and i went through the phases phases of like you know like anger and regret and depression and i was crying and then i was just laughing at myself i like went through the whole range of emotions and i was so tired because it was the first time that i thought i'd be smart i'd be like oh i'm going to new york i'm going to be there for four days i'm gonna be uh, proposing to my wife around that time i need to have good sleep you know what i'll do i'll do um, i'll take melatonin in preparation of new york because it was a red eye that i would get into new york and I would have slept and I would have acclimatized to that time zone much faster. If everything worked out, that would have been great. But it didn't. <laughs> so I came like melatonin, like back home after the flight, back onto the flight. And then just, and then like 17 hours on the tarmac. And it was just, oh my.
2: <laughs> so anyway,
0: yeah, Well, you see me smiling. So I guess there must be some enjoyable part of it that I can look back and laugh at. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah like that uh, that's a toughie i guess i take it back I, you see me laugh You see me smile yeah those ones are the stories that you can laugh back at
1: mm-hmm. yeah no they're yeah they're always the best
0: <laughs> yeah
1: um yeah i don't is there i don't know is there anything else that you want to talk about
2: mm-hmm.
1: Let's see. trying to think i mean like like the retreat center and stuff. It's all, it's kind of hard to talk about it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially with, uh, it's more so showing pandemic it. time right now. Yeah. <laughs> right now it's just, I'm really just focusing on bringing the retreat center to the online world. So, mm-hmm. and, I've just also kind of like, you know, modified the website a little bit to speak to that, I'm just working on that. And, um, yeah, it's nice. Is, just- is, is the
1: website up? Yeah, the website's up. Is there pricing on it? No, no pricing. Okay, no. is that something
0: if you don't want? People wanna... are interested. They go, but if people are looking just for an appointment per se, as like going to visit as a as an outpatient, then all you have to do is book an appointment online. And it takes you to the Jane portal, and all the prices are there. Okay. Um, oh yeah. yeah, so
1: that's if you just want to do a one-on-one with you. But if you yeah, want... if you just
0: want to do one-on-one with me or with any one uh, of the other practitioners, you can do that. But for the retreat center portion, because we're in this uncertain yeah. time and because with the islands trust and everything, we were just like, you know what, like we're just gonna leave it off. We have a page there for people that are interested and they can ask us about it. And then if we can work something out, we will work something mm-hmm. out. Well, right now it's just kind of on standstill. And if, for that, like when it,
1: I mean, I guess this is like in who knows when, but. Is there like a certain time people have to stay for? Or could you come and stay for like one or two nights or you want people to stay for like a week? I think I generally like to
0: people, for people to stay at least a week. Yeah. I think it, like, have you ever noticed when you've traveled, it takes you maybe like two or three days to unwind until you're yeah. Like, yeah. So, so yeah. it's like why have someone come for so short and then leave again? Mm-hmm. Um, I think for some, but again, it's just depends on circumstances, depends on how many rooms are filled, depends on the person like, you know, mm-hmm. so, you came to visit, it'd be a very different thing. I know who you are. <laughs> yeah, And, um, so, uh, yeah, like, you know, I think the original plan was a week, two weeks, but you know, originally we had this big plan of it being only for cancer patients Cause you know, that was my, my field, my field was cancer. I went to Germany. I saw all the different cancer care centers there. I wanted to emulate those because I thought something like this didn't exist in Canada and I was just so set on it. Mm-hmm. And, um, with all the resistance and all the delays we've had both in construction and legally with being able to do this, it's really allowed me to think a little bit and I came to the realization that my interest in the cancer field was always quality of life. It was always mental health. It's always Mm -hmm. about allowing people to, you know, find the best in their lives and thrive and find purpose and live with purpose. And like with any condition learn that they may have to live with cancer for the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. whether that cancer is cancer-free, because even as a survivor, you still feel like there's a mark that's placed on you or a feeling that encapsulates or a fear that it may happen again, let alone if you've had you know, a mastectomy you had your breasts removed or you had certain body parts removed, that certainly you would feel like that's, that makes up who I am as, as a mm-hmm. person. I feel that that's part of my journey. Um, but also realizing, like, if you know that this is something you have to live with, finding some level of acceptance and congruency to move forward in life, whether that cancer is debilitating or whether that cancer is managing or that cancer is regressing, or you're looking at end of life. Because at that point in time, like that, that if you're looking at end of life and you're in a palliative setting and you're no longer at this point of, in your life, where You know that you have a finite amount of time to be on this planet. Mm-hmm you know, there's a lot to be said about f- continuing the fight and the toll it takes on you and the toll it takes on your family and the side effects that may come with that. And then there's another thing to be said about living life,
2: mm-hmm.
0: being around the closest ones and realizing what's important to you and, and getting some level of acceptance and uh, understanding about your, you know, existence in, in life and finding a, a good balance between those. And uh, so for me, it was always about what was happening in here. Mm-hmm. I didn't recognize that. I didn't recognize that at first. It took me a while because I was so focused on learning, excuse me, all, all the conventional therapies, so like immunotherapy, chemo, radio, whatnot, surgery, mm-hmm. how to support those, how to mitigate their side effects. Then I learned a lot about the natural approaches of certain medications or s- supplements or herbs that are able to help support and, or address the cancer, certain therapies. Uh, ways you know all that stuff i learned that stuff and Mm -hmm. certainly it's continuously evolving we're always learning new things like off-label drug medications Mm -hmm. and whatnot but um that part about like what's happening up in here i felt like that was always the part that was the hardest for me to ever work out because it's every person so unique and 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 really figuring out how to how to work with people in that sense because i think a lot of what's happening in here is going to have an effect on your body um, I'm I'm not going to say oh you know like heal your mind heal your body like your thoughts can get your cancer rid of uh, nor do I think that um, food is what made your cancer food's what's going to break your cancer mm-hmm. um, I think those are very be uh, <clears throat> utopian ideas maybe be a good way of putting it or putting it at like the most optimistic standpoint mm-hmm. I think you have to be very realistic about some of the things and really knowing like what position am I in is this am I a prime candidate of chemo right now? Because if you are, and that chemo is a very effective one, um, why wouldn't you? you know, hospital mm-hmm. like, lymphomas, chemo is amazing for right? So people need to be aware of some of these things. Um, but again, like I said, it's always about the mind aspect. And so being on this island, I started really recognizing that, oh, like I learned everything about cancer that I wanted to learn and ongoingly so. But I really want to spend a lot more time now on this mental health part. Mm-hmm. I really want to focus more on that because I think, I think I had maybe also the mistaken belief that people that live with cancer will, will require more mental health support than anybody else. And I don't think that's true anymore.
2: Mm-hmm. I think
0: a lot of people that can live beautiful lives without any condition, but mental health is what is hindering them from growing and evolving and thriving in their lives, uh, no matter what condition, if any, at all they live with, besides the mental health portion itself. Mm -hmm. And so that's really what I've been wanting to focus this retreat center on. And so then it changed from being like, oh, you know, we're a center for cancer care and helping people with, you know, high end tech equipment and lifestyle and mindset and mind, body, spirit, and meditation, all these great things uh, to being like, no, we actually welcome anybody that's in, in search for greater health and be aware that we'll be doing a big, 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 like focus on your mental health. Mm -hmm. that's so important and I think that's why we ask people to stay a week or two weeks because it takes that much time to sort of unfold and peel the layers of the onion off and see what comes up and we also recommend people usually to come with their with their partners or Mm -hmm. someone uh, because it's good to have that soundboard it's good to have someone that sees you for who you are sometimes it's very difficult for us to see who we are and what kind of shit we're in when you're Mm -hmm. so deep Sometimes it's good for someone like just to someone just to take you out of that quicksand and be like, yeah, look at that that that's what we are sitting in, and this is why you're sitting in it, and this is what's going on. And you probably know that already, but you're so emotionally intertwined and attached and bound to it, chained in some degrees to some of those thoughts pre, 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 like pre, prevalent thoughts you're having that's very difficult for you to keep keep it moving mm-hmm. And so like that's kind of what I'm focusing on. So like right now, kind of what what's happening for us is that. Um, yeah, I'd say for better or not with what's happening happening in the pandemic right now, we're taking the time to close mm-hmm. the retreat center. So there's, we're not letting yeah. anybody come right now. We're going to wait and see what happens with our island proceedings to make sure that, you know, we're German we like to have everything by the and <laughs> All <laughs> things work in alignment. And I really want to focus more so on this online stuff that I'm doing right now. I'm mm-hmm. still having a practice but it's very much slimmed down based on what's happening a mm-hmm. lot of it is telemedicine now so i don't get to see a lot of people coming up here um, but you know like a large part of it is now just doing this online stuff so i gotta tell you that's really where my heart's in it right now
1: awesome um yeah like i love that that direction for the center and and that's the thing for me too is i was always like people would talk about things i'm like yeah my naturopath and his family created this thing up there but i think it's only for cancer but I think
0: that's cool that it is for everyone. Um, Should be for everyone, right? I yeah. think the only thing I sometimes struggle with is like, and I, it's definitely still overlaps in my, mental health is uh, hardcore addictions.
2: Mm. The reason
0: why is because when you have people with really, 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 really hard addictions, like we're talking like uh, certainly uh, addiction can be anything, but just for simplicity's sake, I'll just say crystal meth, crack, whatnot. You know, things mm. that are gonna have. A, major physiological impact which is something you live with for the rest of your life um you need to have a lot of lot of staff you need to mm-hmm. have a lot of systems in place mm-hmm. and you know if you've got if you go on our website you re- re- you'll recognize you're coming into someone's home mm-hmm. a, a large home feels large enough that it feels like a business but it's not like you know like locked doors, panic buttons, things like that. No, it's, yeah. it's not the kind of space we wanted to create it. I think there's kudos to those spaces, they are necessary, but that's not the way method that we wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. So, so it is still, yeah. And, and also like, I think this was also always a little bit of a pitfall in our idea of model of the retreat center is that um, we, never, we never thought it'd be possible that we can have palliative cases up here. Mm. I don't have the tools for that. I'm not.
1: I was gonna ask that. So, if someone was was actually at like at the end of the road, would you have to send them somewhere else? Yeah,
0: I would. And sometimes even if you can't just have someone pass away and, and they're away. not able to travel, they they gotta stay put too.
1: Yeah, You're like you can't just have someone like basically
0: die in one of the bedrooms. I mean, you certainly could. Oh, you could. I could. I don't, don't think there's anything against it as long as that person's wish? I, I think so. Okay. I got to check with my college but, <laughs> Yeah, But let, let let it be said that this is not something I want to take place in. So. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I think at the end of the day, a person has the right to pass away wherever they want. Mm-hmm. To, but, but it's not like know, against
1: like, the law for that to happen. I don't think so. Why yeah. Would yeah. Yeah. I don't know.
0: I mean, I think the only thing is uh you know who's the authority over that person does the person still have the authority of themselves is the family involved what's the family's wish etc yeah, yeah really, um really really respect all those parts but uh it really depends on the person but like that's like i said that was always our, our, our bit of a pitfall because you know we don't have like like we've got superior quality beds but you don't have hospital grade beds you don't mm-hmm. have like the. Like little hangers that come up and lift you up the beds to place you on your chair and or in your wheelchair. We have one wheelchair accessible room. The rest of them are not wheelchair accessible. Mm-hmm. Have stairs. So the idea was always to have people that live with cancer but still had their what we call in medicine's activity of daily living. They can still wash themselves, uh, dress themselves, bathe themselves. If they wanted to, they could do their groceries. They could make a bed. These mm-hmm. the kind of things were important for a patient to have. And if they lacked a little bit of that, then they would need to have a companion that would be able to fulfill that for them. But mm-hmm. anything that goes further than that, we just felt like this is not the right place for you at this time. Yeah. Okay. It's just not. Uh, but I don't think that's right now much of a thought or concern of my life anymore in terms of the retreat center because we're open to anyone, right? Mm-hmm. So.
1: Um, and, and with that too, because it's you, your mom, dad, and who else is practicing it?
0: Oh, what does she do? She's a counselor. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So my dad's sort of the spiritual component. My wife's the sort of mental component, my mo- or mental emotional component. My mm-hmm. mother, she does uh, the esoteric sort of uh, Reiki, uh, predominantly. Mm-hmm. She does some astrology as well, and then um, I, as the naturopathic physician that overlooks things well
1: that's awesome and and with the online are you guys all going to be like sharing online too or is it just going to be you it's just going to be me
0: okay i think right now my parents are just like you know what this is happening (laughs) yeah we're just going to enjoy our time right now my wife's going to be giving birth in like
1: oh yeah i didn't know you're having a second kid yeah
0: three months or so i'm gonna have a second kid so like yeah, you, they're all busy. That's <laughs> why we also made a decision. To be like right now. Let's just we're gonna close the retreat center. We're just going to focus. I'm gonna focus on the patients that I do see, but I'm just gonna doing a lot of online stuff right now. Just, yeah, that's awesome. Just see where this pandemic, this transition, this quarantine This, I don't think the world's gonna go back to normal anytime mm-hmm. soon. I don't think, or at least it'll have a new normal when it comes in place. Yeah, I agree. Normal, see what that looks like. So right now we're just we're just we're happy here and um, we're fortunate enough that we can close our doors. And then I get to really focus on doing stuff that you're doing right now, you yeah. know, like going online, and seeing and talking to people and being heard and showing up. So kudos mm-hmm. to you for doing that. Thank, Thank you. And it's admirable. Yeah.
1: And, no, and same for you. I mean, you're coming on here, you're willing to talk and you're going to be doing your own thing. So it's going to, I'm excited to see what, what you post and I'll share it with, um, with my following and everyone that I know as well. So I appreciate that.
0: Thank you.